The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we work our fingers to the bone every week to bring you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And many times what that means is bringing you topics and people, real life investors, that you don't necessarily know. You don't see them on the RIA circuit. You don't hear a lot about a lot about them on webinars. Uh, but they do something interesting. They do something that I'm curious about, and hopefully you have been curious about them too. And today is a great example of that because we are talking about mobile homes. Yep wobbly boxes, tornado magnets, whatever it is you call them, where you live, um, they are, they are an alternative way of investing in sort of real estate, not really real estate, but very, very close to real estate. My guest today is Adrian Smood, who's actually been investing in real estate for 18 years, uh, starting with a house hack. Back back before they called them house hacks. He bought a house and um, put other people in it to help him pay. So um, after 11 years of kind of playing around with being a hobby landlord, he discovered an actual passion for real estate investing through his local real estate investor association and switched his niche over to mobile homes where he has been ever since then. He's joining us from his home in Plant City, Florida. Adrian, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Vina. Appreciate you having me. And uh, glad to have you because it's actually uh, it's actually a little bit rarer to find people who do enough mobile homes or have been doing them long enough to sort of, I don't know, be able to answer listener questions, of which, by the way, we've already gotten six. We've already gotten six email listener questions. So apparently... There are, in fact, people who've been curious about this mobile home thing. So, can you can you sort of guide us through this this whole story of how you got interested in mobile home investing? Yeah. So the quick version started when I was being evicted from a house. I was a terrible tenant, and I purchased the house that you mentioned. I moved my friends into. Uh, back then, you know, banks gave people free money and you didn't have to have anything to get the money. So that's what I did. 
a few years later, as you said, whenever I got to the RIAs, I just started paying attention to the people in the room that were doing the real estate business as long as I had been alive. They all mentioned mobile homes at some point. And I just finally decided, you know, I wanted a higher return on my investment. Took the chance on buying my first mobile home. And when I say mobile home, I mean with the dirt. And really since then, we've been selling our site-built single-family homes and just buying mobile homes for the cash flow. So you went full-on mobile home. You were like, nah, these 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 things made out of sticks and bricks. No, I'm not interested in those. I like these mobiles so exactly. well <laughs> that that is the direction I am going. Now, um, where do you typically buy your mobiles? Like in what part of the world? I'm in central Florida. So I'm in between Orlando and Tampa. You mentioned Plant City. We're the winter strawberry capital of the world. Hmm. And it's just a small little town in between the two. Mm-hmm. So are you, in, are, you in a, per- are you in kind of a ruralish area? out there yes we we are but we're still 30 minutes from tampa 45 minutes from orlando so we are pretty rural but we're still a city mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i try to buy them i don't try i do buy them within 30 minutes of my house that's one of the big things i picked up from the seasoned investors that eventually if i'm buying them further out i'm gonna hate it mm-hmm so I made a rule of 30 minutes from my house. Okay. Okay. And what what folks who haven't really studied or looked into or talked to people about mobile homes don't realize is that there are probably as many strategies around mobile homes as there are around any single family house. Both, both you know, what, what, what are they? What am I buying? And also, how do I make money off of them? And you do a very specific set up in terms of you want a mobile home that has its own lot, correct? Exactly. We want to own the dirt that's underneath it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so if, if a hurricane comes through, because we have hurricanes more than tornadoes, and it blows away my mobile home, at least I still own the dirt underneath it. And I can either sell that or I can put another mobile home on it. I'm not left with just lot rent, which would be the case if I bought it inside of a park. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're you're actually kind of making a dual investment decision. What's the land worth? What's the mobile home worth? Yep. And I would bring it to another spot. I would say what the land is worth. And then what is the cash flow from the mobile home worth mm-hmm. over the actual mobile home itself? Because I'm mainly interested in cash flow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because one of the definitions, I mean, one of the, it's called a mobile home. That means <laughs> if you don't like it anymore, you can actually pick it up and take it away and bring something else in <laughs> and put it in its place, uh, which is, uh, you know, why it's, it's it's interesting that you are making these land investments that happen to have mobile homes on them. And it's the mobile homes that you're looking to for the profit, for the cash flow. Exactly. And although they're called mobile homes, they're not that quick and easy to move. And they're not even that cheap to move. 
if you were to attempt to move it to a new location, people think that all the time, but you're looking at tens of thousands of dollars because the entire thing moved, set up the permits, maybe bringing the well up the code, the septic up the code. There's a lot more to it than hickling it up to a pickup and bring it down the road. <laughs> there always is more to it than it looks like on the surface. And that's what we're hoping to dig in some today. We need to take a quick break, but I also want to invite listeners who didn't get the email ahead of time saying that Adrian was going to be here talking about mobile homes tonight and therefore didn't have a chance to ask questions prior to the show uh, to either give us a call with your mobile home questions at 877-772-9658. Again, 877-772-9658. Or alternatively, to send us an email. That address is askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today about mobile homes, of all things. Some of us... City dwellers sit around thinking there are no mobile homes where we live. And then one day we get a call from somebody that we marketed to that we thought was a house because it had an address, but it turns out to be a mobile home. They are stuck in all kinds of weird areas in the city and, of course, right outside the city limits and, of course, in more rural areas as well. And um, I didn't know how to deal with the first 25 of those calls I got. And then I started uh, actually bothering to read books and take courses on mobile homes and discovered, oh, my gosh, there's a whole there's a whole strategy here. And it's a little bit different than, uh, you know, buying houses or two families or apartments or whatever. But um, it can be super profitable. I have now wholesale mobile homes. I find myself in the position of owning three of them, and it's not something I ever set out to do, but it's just if you're looking for deals, some of them are going to turn out to be mobile homes. So let's get you prepared to deal with that with uh, when it happens. And my guest today is Adrian Smood. Uh, his particular strategy is buy a piece of land with a mobile home on it. So we've dealt with the what kind. We've dealt with the where, Central Florida. Let's deal with all the other things that every real estate investor wants to know about your business, Adrian. Um, how do you find them? You would find them the exact same way as you find any home. The difference is you replace the word house with mobile home. <laughs> So we've done letters, we've done signs on the side of the road, we've done online marketing. But really the best way we have found has been realtors and REA members. Because as you've kind of alluded to, a lot of people don't understand them. They don't think there's money there. So we have gotten a lot of referrals from people, other investors, I go to meetings and I bring up the mobile homes. People say they're scary. I say, you're right. Send me all your leads. <laughs> I go to a realtor. Realtors want the bigger commission because they do the same amount of paperwork on a small mobile home deal versus a brand new, nice uh, site built home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them still want to help out clients. So then they refer people over to me. Those have been two of our best lead sources and obviously they only cost time and networking so they don't cost a lot of money 
Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to roll back about 45 seconds to something that you said, like everybody would know this, but you said you get lots of referrals from your colleagues at your RIA group and that you do that mm-hmm. by actually showing up and telling people what you do. Yes. I am very well known at a lot of the RIAs around me because I very rarely miss a meeting. I go to all the meetings. Mm-hmm. And I have proven that I'm going to continue coming to the meetings, so people take me very serious mm-hmm. because of that. I just wanted to I just wanted to pull that point out and put it in front of everybody because uh, I just I meet a lot of of folks around the country who say, "Well, my RIA group's no no good. I've never done any business there. There's nobody there doing any business." And I say, "How often do you show up?" And they say, <laughs> "Well, when you know, whenever they've got a good speaker." which is only about three times a year. I'm like, and you're wondering why you haven't developed any relationships with people who want to do business <laughs> with you. Seriously. Uh, yeah. So thank you for that, for letting me make that digression. Um, so f- you find them basically, I mean, nothing you said was except for maybe getting referrals was anything that any real estate investor hasn't done or heard at least. How do you finance them? The market that we ended up in is the 1960s and 1970s. Now, we do own some in the 80s and 90s. But the 60s and 70s, there's no bank financing. I've talked to very few hard money lenders that even understand mobile homes to finance them. And as I kind of mentioned, the dollar value is lower, so they want to do the same paperwork on a higher. So that really leaves cash. And cash usually runs out at some point. So we've done really well with payments to the owner and private money. Okay. I, I believe payments to the owner has been a little bit easier than a site-built home because a lot of the people I bought mobile homes from, they actually purchased it on some type of land contract or whatever the wording was for that state. Basically, they made payments to the owner. Mm-hmm. So they're already aware of the concept. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to explain something branding to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're already comfortable with, oh, payment. Sure, I know how that works. <laughs> they may not know the words for it, but they have, they have experience from the other side. So cash, owner financing, and then you said private private financing. So not the not the hard money lenders who advertise online and come to the real estate meetings, but just people that you're developing as as yep. private lenders. Yeah, just friends that have some money, and again, they're smaller dollar value, so people have, as a first-time lending, usually I found that they're easier to lend out a smaller dollar than a few hundred thousand dollars for a site-built home. New lenders have been easier, and people have that small amount of money that they don't know what to do with in between maybe a big uh, rehab lending and once I've proven myself a few times, it, it became a lot easier to find that private money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what is it? What is it that you are offering these private lenders in terms of security? Because some, something that we haven't really touched on yet is that mobile homes, unless they unless they have undergone a process about sorting the title of the mobile home and the land, aren't actually real estate. You wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't give somebody a mortgage against a mobile home. Correct. So most of these older ones 
I end up doing that process where we attach the home and land paperwork-wise together to make them one. Mm -hmm. In Florida, we call it retiring the title. And we give our lenders a mortgage, and usually we're buying it close to land value. So they're pretty comfortable there, and I show them the cash flow. And most of them have always been comfortable. We've had some that just weren't comfortable because they didn't understand mobile homes. So I do have to educate them a little bit on the topic of mobile homes. And once they see the numbers, uh, they're really, I believe, private money is investing in the person, but always gets the collateral of the real estate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's really, the way you do it, it's really not that much different than somebody making a loan against a stick-built property where you are, in fact, you say I'm making a loan on the house, but you're making a loan on the house and the land, both. That's what the mortgage, mm-hmm. that's what the mortgage says, is that the security is everything that is on this property, and you're basically doing the same thing. So um, we've got some questions that have come in. Uh, one of which is is real close to a question that I was going to ask you anyway, and that is, why not homes in parks? So we have done a few homes in parks. We do not currently have any, and the main reason is control. The park manager makes the rules, and the big example of this is in April, I think it was April 5th, I got an email from the park manager saying, you're no longer allowed to have a home in this park that you do not live in. It has to be out of your name by the end of the month. I have no idea if I could have fought them or anything. I had no desire to put my energy towards something negative like that. So we had to sell it. Mm-hmm. And that control is one reason I don't like them. They were phenomenal for our growth. They were phenomenal ROI, but I wanted that land control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why not invest in the parks? Why not own a mobile home park where you are the you hire the park manager and you make the rules? I've looked at these. I'm still looking at them. Uh, honestly, the short answer is I'm a little lazy. <laughs> uh, these work for me. Not There's not a ton of competition. There is a growing competition, but a lot of people look at what you just said, either just the home or they want the big ego of owning the entire park. Uh, some other more practical reasons. Uh, there's a lot of government regulation and inspections and these different things. If you own the park, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world, but I like to put my tenants or residents in there and just let them live alone in peace and not have any inspections or walkthroughs because I don't want that in my personal house. So that's my main reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So describe, we know, we know what you're buying, where you're buying it, how you're finding them, how you're getting the money for them. What do you do with them once you own them? Our main business is just to rent them out. We want a very long-term resident that's going to move in there and stay there forever and ever and ever. 
our strategy is we kind of built a avatar of who we want our ideal tenant president to be, which is a blue collar handy man or handy woman. And he or she's probably going to bring her pigs or goats and these different animals that a lot of investors don't like. They probably have a utility trailer that they want to be able to park on the land. They don't care about a dirt road. I have looked for properties like that, and we found that those people move in, they take care of the property, and they don't move out. They have a good job, and they want to stay there forever because not many people are going to allow those, I'll say, exotic animals of a rooster or pig and goats and these different animals. We just we just rent them as boring as possible. Mm-hmm. That's my plan. Mm-hmm. All right. When we come back, we're going to deal with some listener questions, which, by the way, listeners, if you have some that you've you're sitting there thinking, man, I wish he would talk about such and so. I I don't know if I'm going to ask him your question. You ask him your question. 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Boy, the questions are pouring in for Adrian Smood, who's my guest today, and who also, incidentally, is going to be speaking at the 2021 National Real Estate Summit coming up in Cincinnati on November 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. I just, I I keep repeating those dates because I need you listeners to get out your calendar and cross out whatever you thought you were doing on those dates because you're going to be at the Great Wolf Lodge in Cincinnati instead. And in the next week or so, we will start telling you how to register for that event through WMKV, which means not only do you get to come and meet, you know, eight or 900 other investors and hear from 22 experts on everything from mobile homes and how to get leads from senior living facilities to the stuff that you always expect, like uh, wholesaling and how to be a better, more profitable rental housing provider and asset protection and all that sort of stuff. So again, those dates are November the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, and the location is Cincinnati. So if you're going to need to buy a plane ticket, what do we find out early today? It's better to book early. You don't want to be paying $450,000. Like those people are going to go to space because they didn't buy it when it was $250,000. All right. So Adrian, let's tackle some of these questions. Cause like as soon, every time I say we've got a lot, I get three more. Uh, here is, here's one from George in Louisiana. He says, great show. I'm looking at four to six mobile homes with land to possibly purchase. What I need to learn or find out is how to figure out what these mobile homes are approximately worth. Is there something like a Kelly Blue Book that has values for used mobile homes? I've checked with dealers in my areas, and they know of such publications. How can I get a hold of one and find out what the value of a mobile home is? Thank you for any help or advice you can offer. I'm not sure if he is talking about the home and the land but either way it'd be pretty similar i would call around look in that area for other ones for sale 
there really aren't as many I think, mobile home comps as there are site built. And I believe that the numbers are a little skewed because in the older ones, meaning the 1960s and 70s, there's cash investor buyers, which obviously we were buying at a discount. And then there's the opposite end of some investors selling them on payments, land contracts. And I have found that a lot of those people inflate the price. Mm-hmm. So the real market value is somewhere in the middle. I do not have an exact formula either. And that is one reason we buy more on the cash flow it can produce than uh, the actual value. I've had appraisers tell me that they go a lot wider on the year of the home than they would on a site-built home. So they'll go 20, even 25 years away from that year. I know that didn't exactly answer his question, but if he finds an exact formula, I would love to know it. <laughs> yeah, so I hope you heard that, George. The, the, the evaluation that Adrian is doing is not... A 1972 single wide built by Fleetwood with three bedrooms and these features is worth X, like a car, right? Although there is, Mm -hmm. Kelly Blue Book actually publishes a, a mobile home guide if you wanted to get down to that level. But what you're trying to purchase, George, and what Adrian purchases is a combination of things. It is the land, which you should be able to comp the land by looking at what land of approximately the same size has sold. And he's looking at the cash flow from the mobile home. He's not He's not trying to say, well, the mobile home is only worth $17,327.15, so I want to pay less than that. He's saying, okay, but what rent will people pay me? for this mobile home. And that's the, that's a big basis for his decision. Uh, so Linda has a question, which is uh, actually, you've already answered this. I'm assuming you market to mobile homeowners the same way you would to traditional homeowners. And the answer to that is yes. Now here's an interesting one. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever run across anything like this where you are Adrian, but this is from Dave in Louisville. So he's in, he's in Kentucky. He says, one of my recent mailings accidentally included a letter to a mobile home owner. I got a cease and desist letter from the lawyer of Kentucky's Mobile Home Dealers Association, letting me know that they somehow know that my intention is to buy and resell a mobile home. He went on to say that only, that mobile homes can't be sold here without a license. I looked up the law on this, and it does look like it's there to ensure that dealers are the only ones who can actually sell them. So... I'm not going to open up a mobile home sales lot if the clairvoyant attorney is right. And unbeknownst to me, I actually want to buy and sell mobile homes. Is there some kind of workaround to this? I'm curious. That is interesting. I believe Florida is the same as buying and selling a car. You can do one without a dealer's license, and at some point you need one. Uh, I don't like workarounds because I think eventually if you make that your business model, it's a bad business model, you're going to end up in trouble. And I don't like to make a business model that has potential of getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. But if that's the law, that's the law. Yeah, and, and I think a question to ask the... I, 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 so I would be on the phone with this attorney immediately. I'd be like, oh, you sent me a cease and desist letter. Number one, I want to know where you got your clairvoyance. And number two, 
what if I'm the owner of the home? Are you telling me that I have to have a dealer if I'm the owner of a home? And and number three, what what's the penalty if I do do what you think I'm going to do, which is apparently not buy it, but somehow deal it? Like what happens then? I, I, I would ask a lot of questions. And then if I wanted to get into that business, um, I think maybe finding a licensed mobile home dealer to sell my homes for yeah. me if, <laughs> if that's what I wanted. I, we have a friend that, He's a licensed dealer, and when we get the calls of people wanting their home removed, I send them his way. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't have a desire to be a dealer, and, and he does. He created a business of being a used mobile home dealer, but that is a business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but Dave, I, I do I do just really want you to call up that attorney and take up like an hour of his time. <laughs> since I mean, since the mobile home dealer association is paying him anyway, you might as well you know get some good. Advice about mobile homes. Uh, so Joseph asks, is it easier to try to buy a single mobile home than it is to buy a single family rental? And I, I'm, I'm going to say that maybe the underlayment of this question is we're in a super hot market right now. And single family rentals are very competitive. And I think what he's asking is, is, is it easier to do mobile homes than it is single families? There's definitely less competition. And I have found most of the competition there is, they don't even understand mobile homes. So when I get a wholesaler that sends me one that they want to assign the contract, I ask my standard questions, you know, about the title and these different things, the tie downs, and they never have an answer for me. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything about them. They got the contract. So there is less competition. I think I can beat someone out that doesn't know what they're doing. And I think anyone can do it with some knowledge and research and learn about mobile homes. If you're there an hour after someone else that doesn't know anything, I think it'll be pretty clear to the seller that you're competent in the home that they want to sell and the other person isn't. So, um, question somewhat related to what you just said. Uh, Joseph asked, does your guest recommend buying mobile homes on a foundation or one without? So my comfort level is I don't care. (laughs) I, again, we own a lot of sixties and seventies and the foundations are much better right now. I mean, we honestly have some that have sunk a little bit. And we didn't repair them yet because they are still very stable, but we did work that into our budget for needing to do that. The piers really aren't that different than a wood frame house. The codes have changed to make it uh, stronger and be able to, down here for hurricanes, you need to have them closer together. That's something you do want to check your local area of what that code is. But... It depends on your risk. It really does. Mm-hmm. So if you are not risk tolerant, then I would make sure it's fully up to code, which is definitely a safer home. But if you're just looking for cash flow and you're not going to fix and flip it, and fix and flip it, it's different because you have to look to see what the banks or whoever's going to finance it cares about. Let's talk about your choice of strategy. 
your your choice to rent out properties because I think most people who know anything about mobile homes know what a Lonnie deal is. It's a it's a strategy that probably was not developed by but was popularized by a dearly departed guru from the Carolinas. Uh, whose name was Lonnie. So everybody calls them Lonnie deals. And it was uh, it's a, a strategy where you buy a mobile home and then instead of renting it out, which of course means you are providing housing and are subject to the laws around providing housing, like you have to fix stuff when it breaks, you sell the home. It's like it's like, you know, if you have a mortgage on it, you're wrapping the mortgage effectively and letting the person who lives there buy the home over time and do all that maintenance and pay the taxes and insurance themselves. Why did you choose not to go that direction? I did a few Lonnie deals and I did them in lower end parks, mobile home parks, which meant I purchased a lower quality home and attracted a lower quality buyer Meaning I got a lot of turnover. Yes, I made more money because I resold it numerous times. But I, in the big picture, do not want that much extra work. I value my time over tons of extra money coming to me. And that's my main reason. I do like Lonnie deals. I think they're an excellent way to start because they're smaller dollar amount they get in even than the mobile home with land because you're buying no land essentially you got to make sure the park is going to play nice with you because they still at times do not are not okay with you even selling it on payments because some parks are doing the same thing and your competition mm. and if you think it doesn't matter they still have to approve your buyer so it does matter the park manager makes all the rules it goes really back to that mm. they make the rules and you just mentioned that there's another strategy that involves buying exactly what you're buying, updating the 1970s or 80s mobile home with, you know, new finishes and whatnot, and then just selling them for cash. So you don't like that because you like cash flow better, I gather. Yes, I like cash flow. Okay. I, I am definitely a cash flow investor. All right. When we come back, we're going to answer more listener questions. This is your last chance, listeners, to send them in to askvina at gmail.com, which is, by the way, A-S-K-V, like in Victor, E-N-A, at gmail.com, or call them in at 877-772-9658. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Adrian Smood. Adrian, I am really glad you're coming to the summit in November because this is the most questions I have gotten for any guest this entire year. You're going to be a popular wow. dude. Um, All right. So April, who is from Nashville, says, I see so many of these older homes that literally look like they need to be demolished. Your 40 and 50 year old mobiles actually clean up to be livable? Yes. Now, you do need to make sure that there's not mold. That's probably the biggest concern I have when it's an older one. As we know, once the roof starts leaking and mold starts growing, it may be not worth repairing. But assuming that 
there's not mold and the roof is intact. I mean, we have rebuilt some pretty wild properties. If the home is not worth rebuilding in any way, you could always move another one on there, used one. Or you could always sell it to someone that is getting a brand new home and their loan is going to wrap everything into their loan, meaning the demolish of the old one, the land, any impact fees, anything like that. And is the seller of the land, you're the first one that gets cashed out. Now, I know that doesn't mean I get slow, boring money, but that is something we've done before. I'd much rather rebuild it if I can. And they're like a house. If you take care of it well, it'll last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, my, my big takeaway from today is this idea of the land. It's it's this idea that, uh, you know, two evaluations. What could I do with the land if the mobile home went away due to a hurricane, as you say, or around here it would be a tornado? Uh, and also what what can the mobile home produce as cash flow? And it's really, it's really, when you start looking at it that way, it's kind of a, it's kind of a double invest. I've got more exit strategies than if I just think about it as what is this mobile home on this land right now. So, um, statement from his, this isn't really a uh, question. (coughs) Sorry, I hate to do that on live radio, but it is what it is. Um, he says, very glad to get an interview, of, uh, an overview of mobile home investments. I run across these occasionally in my pursuit for repair for equity deals. I agree with Adrian about merging the land with the mobile home. And that is from Hez, who is from Washington. Uh, Lisa, uh, who looks like probably Nashville based on her uh, phone number, says, is there a specific brand or year of mobile home that is your favorite one to buy? Brand? No. I get people that call and tell me they have a Palm Harbor, which is one of the quote-unquote better brands, but it doesn't change the cash flow for me. So I personally don't care about the brand. Year? Yes, I wouldn't rather something 1980 or newer. There was a big code change from HUD in 1976, meaning, in short, the government cared about how they built them, and it was kind of the wild, wild west before that. So there are better quality materials in it, and then I think there was another code change in 2004, if I remember right. I don't deal with ones that new. I, I'd much rather something 1980s and newer. I can get better insurance on it if I care to get insurance. They're better quality structures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let, let's talk about your numbers because when, when you and I were talking about this yesterday, you, you named some numbers that weren't, weren't shocking to me because I've been to Florida and I have seen mobile homes on lots of land that were only a foot bigger than the mobile home that sold for a million dollars in Florida because they were right on the bay. They were right on Tampa Bay. <laughs> you were, you were paying for the view. <laughs> you weren't paying for the, you weren't paying for the mobile home. 
But your numbers there kind of in central Florida look like what? What do you typically like to pay or be all in for? We actually bought our most expensive one, expensive meaning what we have paid earlier this year. And we paid $50,000 to the wholesaler for the home and the land. This was a 1972, if I remember right. And it was a double lot, but unfortunately, because of where they placed it, we couldn't do anything of the other lot. We spent between closing costs and some repairs that we did on the property, about $8,000. So we're all in at $58,000. And we have it rented with no problems at all. I was probably a little low on rent from the demand I got, but we have a good paying resident, and that's at $1,275. Yeah, and it was it's it's that last number <laughs> that is that is um that that's not necessarily what we see in Ohio and Kentucky and Indiana and places where um I don't know, mobile homes are maybe a little rarer than they are in Florida, but also are just, you know, we get winter here. <laughs> it's it gets really cold here. And it would be typical here to be able to buy the property that you just described, both the, the 72 mobile home and also the land that it's sitting on, even even if it was like an acre, for something like $25,000. But then the rent for that property would maybe be 650 to 700 a month. So it sounds like the strategy that you, the exact strategy that you're using would work any place where the numbers are proportionally the same. Exactly. I would buy one every day of the week if I could buy them at those numbers. That's what we bought a lot at two and three years ago. But the values have come up. I, I love those numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you, you think that it would work in just about anymore. In fact, we both know somebody, Andy Teasley, who buys mm-hmm. mobile homes in California at those kind of like high-end Florida prices and rents yep. them for those those high-end Florida rents. So, it sounds like something we could all be doing if we understood how to do it, but let's spend our last minute or two uh talking about the challenges of your business, the things that Nobody, everyone's hearing this and going, oh, those kind of like great numbers, but they're not thinking about the challenges that happen because they just don't know enough about the business. I think that's really it. Just not knowing enough about the business, getting educated on some of the things I mentioned, the, the straps and tie downs, where the title is, the VIN on it, the information about the homes themselves. There's less competition. It is growing a little bit, but I think the challenges are are figuring out your numbers. They should be a higher return because there is a little bit more risk. We talked about tornadoes, hurricanes, and I would say fires are really the other risk to it. Those are my challenges or potential problems. Mm-hmm. But as one of my mentors kind of convinced me Mobile homes are a good investment. He said, there's 1960s still sitting around. They've been through more hurricanes than you have. (laughs) And I was like, the guy's right. Yes, there is a risk. But 
you know, they're still sitting around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so as with everything, before you dive in and start going out and making offers on mobile homes, learn stuff about them because it is a very different construction than what we're used to. The the rehab process is different than what we're used to if we're into single family homes. All right. In one minute, what do you see changing in the mobile home business over the next few years? Like if you had your crystal ball out, how would you say it might be different a few years from now? I think as long as we continue in the market we're in, I think the demand's going to go up because we're generally in an affordable housing space. I think there's a shortage of that in our country. And the other thing that I think that investors in some markets are just scrambling to spend money because they can't buy anything in their market. And now they're starting to look at mobile homes. I think those are the two big things that will be a challenge or start changing the mobile home market. Mm -hmm. So potentially increased competition. Uh, but prices going up because that's what happens when there's less supply and more demand. Um, rents continuing to go up. And then what if we have this crash that no one expects, that everyone expects, but no one knows when? Well, we have a crash. We should be, people would most likely move down in their rent because maybe a two income family, one loses their job and they have to move from a two or $3,000 rent down to a $1,000 rent. And at some point it compresses the affordable housing even more. And maybe my rents will go up. I, I don't think they'll go down. I'm going to have more options for applicants for my properties. And I believe that some people are going to be buying these investments at bad numbers and I'm going to be able to save them by coming in and buying them at a discount, just like a single family site built home. Excellent. Adrian, thank you very much for your, uh, sharing your wisdom and experience today. We look forward to seeing you at the national real estate summit on November the 4th through 7th here in Cincinnati. And we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing until then. Happy investing.